Wow, that's quite pleasant. Wow. <laughs> quite soothing. Breathe deeply. Imagine yourself lying in a field with a cool breeze and the blades of grass gently moving in the wind. Imagine yourself. Breathe. Hold. You know what? Uh, early today, I was I went on Twitter and I was asking people about wasabi, and I was gonna put the, I was gonna put the same uh, proposal to you. How, how important would you say the wasabi is when you're having the sushi? Like, what percentage of the experience is it? Because honestly, I never paid much attention to it, and then today, I was loving it. I, now yeah. I'm now I'm skewing your reaction here, but I, I I don't know. It was there. I use it. I didn't really think much about it. Do you mix it in the soy sauce? No. You know what I actually did? Let me tell you what I did. Okay. Because I had a small tray. It was just takeout. It was it was it's okay. this is not high end sushi by yeah. any means. Yeah, yeah. Because I had this little tray and limited space where I was eating. I actually just poured the soy sauce right on top of, so it could just soak into the rice. Okay. Because I knew I wasn't going to have room to be doing any dipping. Sure. A lot of people do that. Yeah. And then what I was doing is I was just taking, I was just taking as much of the wasabi paste as I wanted and spreading that, just spreading it on top, then eating it. Okay. So I was really fine tuning my ratio. But it got me thinking because I feel like I just up until this point never properly appreciated it because I was having quite the like three dimensional experience. Okay. But I don't want to talk anymore about my experience because I pose a question to you and I feel like I'm influencing you and and I just want to hear your your uh, yeah. authentic feedback on this topic. I got all kinds of feedbacks and I can give you the different feedbacks I got on Twitter when I pose a question. Right. But but first, let's hear yours. Well, you know, I actually was uh, checking out that thread. Oh, oh <laughs> like okay. Just so you, now. Oh, okay. So you already know. Um, just to see what Lou later is up to in the Twitter sphere. Right. Um, I mean, nowadays, like in North America, most of the wasabi is horseradish. I've already done the whole Wikipedia right? page. Yeah. Yep. But how important would you say that it is to the experience? Um, pretty important. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I, I felt that it added another dimension to it where all of a sudden, like, my nose lit up and I was kind of uh -huh. just a great, uh, slightly better intensity. Now, some people on social media had said, you can't use it at all because you can't taste the fish if you use it. And then some other sure. people said, like, this is the most important thing ever and it wouldn't be sushi without it. So it was quite a spread hmm. as far as people's opinions were concerned. But I'm glad you've weighed in. I, I'm with you. I think it's uh, important, even if it's uh, not the real deal. Wasabi. And sometimes you can check um, people or the sushi chefs put the wasabi in the sushi already. So mm. you don't have to dip. It's in, in between the rice. Sure. And fish. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's the right, whatever their ratio consideration mm -hmm. happens to be. No, I, I like to distribute. Okay. Yeah. I, like, I like platters. Good to know. Apple is looking to Korea and Japan for Apple Car Plan's 2024 launch. 
Yes, we talked about the Korea thing, Japan less. So I think I remember, was it Nissan or Mazda they were talking to? This is, this is 2024, really? Instead of uh, 2028. Yeah. Yeah. It's Just wa- a quick update on it. It's I wa- mean, that's wild. Yeah, I, I think it's incredibly ambitious. I, I would be very surprised to see a 2024 launch. I don't know, maybe you hear about it in 2024 instead of 2027. Uh, sooner than expected but that all that said apple is a company that you could envision having the capacity to undertake something as enormous and and ambitious as this they got literal billions upon billions of money sitting around you gotta do something with you have a tremendous customer base. You have all kinds of supply chain relationships. You've made all the business deals. You know how to make something somewhere and bring it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It seems to me the hangup here is figuring out who the partner would be and how you would establish the necessary relationship where that partner didn't feel that they in any way needed to be involved in the branding. They the just mo- need to build it? Well, my understanding was when they originally went to the Korean automakers, they wanted some sort of collab type relationship. Like we don't, we, we don't, you can't just use our assembly line and then slap your badge on it. Mm-hmm. That's not who we are. Of course, this is exactly how Apple's smartphone business has operated forever is uh, Foxconn, Han, High, whatever you want to call it. You do go there and say, here's what we want. And they're like, yeah, cool. We don't care. Mm-hmm. Sure. What you want your badge on it? There you go. Mm -hmm. And it's been, that's been um, a popular method in China for a while now. The old badge slap. Yeah, that thing. However, in automobiles, that's a whole different ballgame. And we spoke about a number of times here how there, it does exist. Companies like Magna have done such things for uh, other automakers, but it just hasn't happened where the big like l- l- let me put this in perspective this would be the equivalent of going to samsung and saying i want a phone and i don't want to put samsung on. samsung will sell you the screen they'll sell you the chip they'll sell you the memory they'll sell you a lot of elements but if i say i want the i want an s21 ultra i just want to call it the galaxy lu sure you understand and they're like, hey, that's a little too close for comfort. We're trying to do this thing too. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Hyundai, who was the original, and Kia, the original uh, speculation was around that brand. They're doing stuff with EVs. They got their own futuristic look- looking vehicles. And I'm sure they look at the business deal and say, damn, though, Apple's going to sell a lot of cars. But what happens to their brand? Right. What happens to their involvement in the majority of the margin? their their level of control and so i think there's a higher likelihood that maybe a brand that is a little bit less busy right now on the ev front might be a better fit for apple where they're looking for a rocket ship into significance as far as evs go well now you have apple you have the marketing wherewithal you have the software side of things you got tim cook himself let me ask you a question. Would it be too crazy for Apple to just make their own factory? I would assume that if it weren't crazy, then we wouldn't be hearing all these rumors hmm. for uh, oh, for years now that they've got to part up, partner up with somebody. Hmm. Uh, even 
when you look at the iPhone, Apple doesn't make the iPhone. You would say to yourself, because people's awareness of how this stuff works on the manufacturing level, you would say Apple makes the iPhone. Well, they do make the iPhone, but it's all contracted out sure. along the way. And all the components come from many of their, many of the components come from Apple's competitors. And then it's all pieced together by a third party to Apple's specification. So even if they wanted to model the exact same scenario, they still would need a manu manufacturing partner of some kind. Mm-hmm. Unless you're saying they're going to make it in the States and oversee it and build these facilities themselves. But, I mean, we've all seen how hard that's been for Tesla and others to do such a thing. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. That's what I was thinking. I mean, Elon made gigafactories all over the world. It's possible. It's just it's not just something. really, really difficult. It's not something Apple has ever done. It's not uh, in line with their expertise. I understand vehicles are different than smartphones. Smartphones are easy to move around the world. Yes. And there is obviously sort of a central point at which most of them are assembled. The vast majority, small regional expertise. Uh, automotive is a little bit more spread out, right? Mm -hmm. You've got cars being made all over the place in a number of different countries. So yes, it's not impossible, but these rumors seem to indicate to me that they really want that partnership, at least early on. Who knows what they do after that? Mm -hmm. Today's sponsor, Freshly. These guys make it super simple to eat a nice meal, even if you don't have the time to cook a meal. I mean, you're got, you got busy lifestyle, you get stressed out, they cook it, their chefs put it together, deliver it to you. All you do is heat it up, it's ready to eat in three minutes. Mm-hmm. And you just repeat it all over again. We're busy people. It could be a steak peppercorn. It could be a homestyle chicken. It could be a cauliflower shell beef bolognese. Mm -hmm. It's whatever you're into. You go ahead and select it. Because oftentimes when we make those fast decisions, we make those bad decisions as far as what the food is concerned. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. You can get the fast results, but you can still have some nutrient-rich meals. Like, look at the options they've got over here. Chef-made Nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders. All you got to do is go to Freshly.com slash Lulater. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Lulater for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash Lulater for $40 off your first two orders. Thank you, Freshly. Here we have a retail leak hinting at a new Pixel stand for Pixel 6 with 23-watt charging speeds. That would be wireless charging speeds because it's a wireless stand. This, The original Pixel stand that looked like this used to drive me crazy because it had some sort of a bug that at different points in the night the screen would just blast on. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about this? I think I used it too, and it happened yeah. to me. Yeah, and, uh, it was buggy. Yeah. It was something to do with the... It was trying to be extra smart and turn your phone essentially into a Google Home when it was docked on there, except then it was prone to wake up when you didn't want it to. At least that was my experience. They probably fixed the bug, I'm guessing, eventually. Yeah. And ho hopefully this new one figured it out. According to a tipster for Android Police, a retail outlet has begun entering inventory of, the new, of a new 23-watt wireless charging Pixel stand that will launch as an accessory to the new Pixels in the coming weeks, apart from a photo of an inventory screen an item title and SKU number. There's not much additional information yet. It says demo Google Pixel 23WWL stand 23W indicating 23 watt mm -hmm. wireless charging. 
that is not the fastest we've ever seen, but it is pretty fast for a wireless charger. And uh, it's, what, double the wattage of the previous version yeah. at 10 watts, so more than double. Uh, that's a big step up. I like fast charging. Well, you don't need to convince me. I'll take the new pixel. I'll take the new charge stand. Mm-hmm. Here we have an exclusive Apple hit with antitrust case in India over in-app payments issues. So I presume this is the old monopoly conversation. The 30%. Apple faces a case similar to the one in the European Union. Nonprofit group says Apple policies are anti-competitive. Yeah, so they got the 30% piece. This is the epic argument. It's the argument that's been made elsewhere. It's just the India version of it. Uh, Apple is facing an antitrust challenge in India for allegedly abusing its dominant position in the app's market by forcing developers to use its proprietary in-app purchase system. Allegations similar to what's going on in Europe. Regulators last year started an investigation into Apple's imposition of an in-app fee of 30% for distribution of paid digital content and other restrictions. Uh, Indian case was filed by a little-known nonprofit group, so we'll see how that goes for them, but... I presume there's some inspiration when you see the thing happening elsewhere. You're like, oh, let's mm-hmm. let's run that program over here because it it appears there's at least some level of resistance to their model. However, I think the uh, monopoly case is going to be a little more complicated or difficult in India because of market share, right? When you try to make these cases, antitrust cases, you try to say, hey, there's not enough uh, valid options or you try to say you have this ultra-dominant position, as was suggested at the beginning of the article. Here's the thing. If you have, uh, I don't know, under 10% market share, let's say, then that's difficult to, to, to prove in court that you are the most dominant player. In fact, this this case could probably be made equally, if not more so, for the Play Store in places like India, where Android is by far the mm-hmm. dominant... Oh, you're just saying it's two, 2% of yep. smartphones in 2020 in india are ios powered so now granted i don't know how the play store operates specifically in india and then also you can always make the argument as long as the device is unlocked i mean go and install whatever you want Mm -hmm. on the android side or just or just throw your apks on Mm -hmm. if you really care that much Uh, there is no apple equivalent of that so anyway we'll see how that goes twitter has officially launched its paid super follows i saw this i saw a few people advertising uh, suggesting that if you like their tweets, you mm. shall pay them now. Don't you enjoy the uh, wasabi conversation? I, w- I will be taking your super follow <laughs> now. That's yeah. how important that conversation happens to be. I'll pay a lot for that. <laughs> Creators can now charge up to $10 a month. The official launch of super follows a new feature that allows creators to provide subscriber-only content. That requires a paid fee to access. What would this content possibly be, Will? Is it going to be uh, NSFW? Is that allowed in there? Because I I don't know. I presume make money like that. I heard the uh, the Nothing brand was going to give out leaks. Yeah, I saw them. Followers. I saw them teasing that. Yeah. And I mean. So maybe there's that. I don't. I can't imagine ten ten dollars a month and. If, I mean, you got some perks in there, man. Some nudes. Creators who use the super follow feature on Twitter can charge $2.99, $4.99, or $9.99 to allow their subscribers to access exclusive tweet content. 
Um, creators are eligible to keep up to 97% of revenue. That is enormous. Holy cow. That is one of the most aggressive I have ever seen. There's a threshold though. Up to 50 G's. After that, creators will earn 80% of the revenue. So those heavy hitters, they want a piece of those Uh heavy hitters eventually. (laughs) Designed for anyone that brings unique perspectives and personalities to Twitter to drive public conversation. Huh. Superfalls are available to a small group of U.S. content creators that apply to participate, but people can apply to join the wait list and set up Superfalls subscription. 10,000 or more Twitter follows are required. So you got to have some followers. Uh, here are the official requirements here. 10,000 followers tweeted 25 times in the last 30 days based in the U.S. and 18 years old. I presume that's just for now. Actually, if you go back to the previous article, what does it say? There's Superfalls limited to U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. It says there. So the other one says U.S. This one says Canada. I don't know. We'll see if we can try it. I don't know. I'll take I'll take your two nine nine. Give me two nine nine. Sure. I'll uh, send you a picture of my sandwich. Okay. <laughs> don't give me two nine. I don't need your. Unless I can figure out some reason, some like a good reason. I can't. I can't see why. Yeah. Twitter's a weird place to figure out what's worth money. I think uh... most of it doesn't quite seem worth i mean how many subscriptions are we supposed to have how many follows and i'm gonna go a little <sighs> dark and maybe say like a only fans kind of situation yeah, yeah i know that's that's the main one i can envision yeah. i'm just trying to imagine other ways but anyway yeah exclusive news i don't know sure Elon Musk takes another swipe at Jeff Bezos as billionaire feud gets uglier. The boxing match is just around the corner. I promise you will. I'm telling you, man. It's only a matter of time. SpaceX founder doubles down on his claim about how Amazon founder spends his time. Interesting. He goes after that. Filing legal actions against SpaceX is actually his full-time job. Okay, so he's taking shots. Yeah. He's a, he is suge- suggesting that uh, Bezos is spending far too much time. Since he quit being the CEO of Amazon. Now he's a lawyer. Yeah. He's a lawyer or his pals are lawyers. Just looking at SpaceX filings yeah. all day long. Yeah. Amazon's attempt to throw a wrench into SpaceX's second generation Starlink satellite program. Filing legal actions against SpaceX is his full-time job. Yeah. They've been beefing on that topic for a while the uh, the satellite topic he who gets to own the variety of optimal locations to launch their satellites Mm -hmm. (laughs) imagine that beef imagine that feud that's my spot i want my satellites there billionaires yeah billionaires exactly hey man i called that that spot in space right there that altitude yeah that general area my satellites with go no, there with the no oxygen those are my That's satellites my... right there yeah don't you dare infringe on such a thing in in a court of law and then god imagine it's, uh, space uh space space it's wild <laughs> space like, real estate it's uh, you, tr- you try to think about the court that you tough. go to is regional you go to some court in the u.s making a decision about this section of space complex stuff but anyway uh well here's his other tweet turns out bezos retired in order to pursue a full-time job filing lawsuits against me okay so he just doubled down on the same yeah 
It's public beef now. The beef has gone public. Electra Mechanica yes. unveils cargo version of its solo EV. Have you heard of this brand name? It does seem familiar, but it's uh well Mechanica is the the real uh auto manufacturer. They I think the Electra Mechanica is like the sister brand. Gotcha. And they make really cool looking cars. I know what this I just is. Gotta say. I know what this is. Yeah, what's that? This is the DoorDash mobile. Yes. This if yeah, I, you're right. like totally already in the red as well. If you're trying to get around tight spaces, you're looking for efficiency, you only you need a very specific amount of cargo space mm -hmm. for uh food and grocery deliveries. Man, and it's cute too. That thing, it looks like a half a car almost. Exactly, yeah. That thing rolls up with your delivery. You're just, you're loving it. You know, I can already see the badge on there. So this was the original and then they just added more um, cargo space. Yeah, you need a little cargo in there. What do they say? It's 53 inches tall, 123 inches long. And they've been, the dimensions have been expanded to eight cubic feet of cargo space. Not a ton. Probably, probably wouldn't work for all the gear I carry around. No, but it's definitely for city life. 100-mile range and a top speed of 80 miles per hour. No, man, I like it. That thing, I want to have it. Can I put it over there? How much do these go for? Uh, what color, though? No, I want that one right there. You want the red one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to put it right there. Okay. How much do you think it'll cost? Well, DoorDash is our sponsor, aren't they? Sure, yeah. Okay, so we'll put a DoorDash. It's a branded one? We'll put a DoorDash, like one of those... Um, uh magnet signs that you see we would slap on the side on the door oh, okay we'll put a magnet sign on the door and then in the evening i'll just uh sign up and i'll do some doordash deliveries with your hat yeah okay, okay. I'll, I'll i'll be the delivery guy and you never know i might show up those are so, all they're all cool so you know what's even cooler i checked out their site uh the roadster check this one out Look at that. What? That's electric? It's the electric? complete opposite of what that other car was, the Solo. This cool. is the Roadster. Completely EV. You see the price on this one, though? Um, 150 Gs. Yeah. yeah, you want the classic look, you better pay for it. The other one, though, was 18500 Yeah. Yeah. So you can get a bunch of those. That looks so cool inside. Uh-huh. But why do you have a gear shift? You, it's electric, right? It is electric. Oh, so the whole thing is a is a decoy. That's very cool. Nice find, Will. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was cool. Oh yeah, I saw this Tim Tatman. Uh, actually, I clicked on the stream to see how it was going. Oh yeah, his first stream was today. Yeah, right it was now. just like moments oh, ago, okay. and or at least the beginning part of it. So I saw the news yesterday. Tim the Tatman and Dr. Lupo had left Twitch to stream on YouTube gaming exclusively. I know YouTube gaming has been aggressive as far as acquiring talent, usually from Twitch, obviously. They got courage as well. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. They've been just doing it for a while, but there hasn't been any real large-scale announcements in a while. Granted, you had the stuff with... Uh, Dr. Disrespect, where everyone was oh, wondering, right. where's he going to go? And then mm -hmm. never forget the mixer stuff, the mixer mix-up mm -hmm. with uh, Ninja. The, the the conversation around where streamers stream and the value associated with that and all the rest of it, 
Um, it's been going on for a little while, but this is the latest development. So you have these two really popular streamers, uh, Tim the Tatman doing his first stream today, and he had 100,000 concurrence. Wow. Like right at the start. And he had 10,000 members within the first hour. So I'm just seeing a revenue churn. I'm saying to myself, oof, bit of a move for both parties. Because imagine, right, it's a 70-30 split on non-ad-based revenue generated. 70% mm -hmm. goes to the creator, in this mm -hmm. case, Tim the Tatman, and then 30% goes to YouTube. But whatever uh, exclusive deal they signed with him, uh, they're already making that money back on the recurring mm -hmm. monthly memberships at 30%. And right. I presume I mean, you got 10,000. I don't even know what the membership costs. Is it like five bucks? Something like that. So you got five bucks. You got 30% of five bucks every single month. You got 10,000 right out the gate. I'm just saying, I know it's, yeah. you're factoring that in. You're wondering what you're going to be able to generate as you're making this business deal. But make no mistake, there's a deal that gets cut, right? They, they send an email. They say, you know, we want you over on or they make a phone call or they know people who know people and whatever and the conversation gets started. And they say, we won't mind having you over here on YouTube gaming, mm -hmm. bring the audience with you. And part of the reason why he left uh, Twitch is because he, I mean, he's grown up. He has a family now, he has kids. Oh. So, I mean, I'm sure YouTube gave him a lucrative deal without like doing sponsors on Twitch. He can just kind of have like a, a nice, Oh, nice oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, hey, man, whether he's whether he's got a family or not, I mean, you're making business moves. These are businesses that everybody's running. But I guess what he's trying to say is like he's slowing down in terms of like just trying to do sponsors and trying to, you know, really be on camera all the time on Twitch. Whereas YouTube, it's maybe more of like a relaxed atmosphere for him. Oh, did he say something like this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, look, man, there's all kinds of components in a person's... This is a major decision that a person makes, right? Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of components in there. I know uh, along the lines of what you're saying, if you're streaming on YouTube and then you have all of your uploads that go there as well, mm -hmm. as you increase your footprint from a streaming perspective, now people are watching all this and discovering you through all this other content because people watch gaming videos on YouTube. So... In that sense, you may be able to uh, be generating more background revenue when you're not actually streaming, yeah. which is in line with what I you're guess, saying. I guess maybe just a little bit more freedom. A little more flexibility. Yeah. A little bit more flexibility, whereas on Twitch, the, um, the, the, the style or the demand is a lot more around live and only live. Mm -hmm. And I know there's the VODs there, but I don't think people really right. really watch it all that much you look at what's promoted on the side and so forth uh, but it's good by the way I'll just, i just want to say this it's great it's good for creators it's good for the ones that are uh changing to a new platform it's good for the ones that remain on twitch so there's no reason to be stung by it and the reason it's good on both sides is because now you're having uh this value associated with these creators and it's upping the leverage that all the other ones have that remain now that now that uh um 
now that Twitch has had to recognize that this other competitor exists, right? Mm -hmm. Like you now you have some competition here, which gives uh, um, applies pressure to the dominant player in the space. Sure. And the question then becomes, like, who even is dominant at this point? Because I know this, I mean, Tim the Tatman would, if, if I ever did go on Twitch, he was always right there as <laughs> far as if you happen to be streaming. Yes. He was always right there as far as in the, uh, like, the most watched things going on. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other question I have. How many can you lose of the high-profile streamers before you maybe lose that dominant status? It's a question. Mm -hmm. It's a question. Uh, dude crashes a live TV show and then demands Grand Theft Auto 6. What I want to know is where the hell is GTA 6? I have been waiting eight years for GTA 6. That's yeah. his quote. Very interesting. He, he uses this as his moment yeah. to get that question out there. So this was a German TV show. It was called Beat the Star. Interrupted the other day, a young man burst onto the stage with that very big question. Is there a video clip of this? There is a video. I, I presume yeah. there is. So. He's kind of like when you have a streaker, except in this case, he had some big demands. GTA 6, da warte ich davor. GTA 6, ich habe keine Ahnung, da müssen es ja irgendwann, das liegt doch nicht an mir, das müssen wenn die Programme... Aber GTA ist doch ein Computerspiel, oder nicht? GTA 6. Kenn ich nicht. Sie setzen am besten ein Zeichen, einmal in die Kamera schreien, wo ist GTA 6? Nee, das brauche ich nicht, weil ich habe ja... He's telling the guy to say it, it seems like. And then they remove him, and then... <laughs> well job. played, yes. Uh, well done. Uh, who knows where he came from or how he got in? They obviously have some security issues over there. Definitely, I guess maybe from the audience. He decided he was just waiting for his time to use his moment um, to discuss GTA Six and also to become a meme. I mean, he had to know this was going to happen. Good on the host, though. He was pretty witty with his response. I haven't even finished GTA Five yet. Yeah, <laughs> but also they they remained very calm. Mm -hmm. Did you notice how calm they remained? Here's a random guy on. I don't know if I would be that calm. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, she did. She she nowhere. did back up. She was like, "Wait a second. Yeah, the dude's like eye contact, full eye contact. Mm -hmm. That's probably good. I th I mean, they know what's going on. That this is not supposed to be happening." But no real conflict, no aggression. It was yeah, just... they, they handle it pretty well. The, even, the, I guess, when the security shows up, they kind of smoothly move him out. I'm surprised they broadcast it. I guess this was live. Mm. He just, look at that, just a hand on the shoulder. He's like, all right, bud, you got your line in there. Yeah, the guy had no resistance. Let's he go. Just... You got your line in there. <laughs> <laughs> and the question still remains, where's GTA 6? Yeah. The original Doge meme has been sold as an NFT for four million. Now you can own a piece of it for less than a dollar. Oh, he's gonna do a NFT split, mm -hmm. fragment it out. Yeah, they're gonna fraction it off. What is the original Doge meme? Is it's just the one photo? It's a photo. Mm hmm. Hmm. So the person who created the NFT would have been the original photographer. He, he who took that photo, who owns that dog, who owns the doge? Uh, no, there, it was a company that bought it for $4 million. 
No, 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 I know, but I'm saying who who put it on the market in the first place? The original NFT. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. It would ha wouldn't it would it not have to be the original creator? Unless someone bought it from him for like five bucks and then minted oh, it. God. Maybe. Bought the rights to the photo of the guy's dog? I'm sure that somebody somewhere knows the origin, but anyway, at this point, at least we are aware that it's worth four million. On Friday, the auction winner Please Ardeo placed a, a winning bid of 1,696.9 ETH worth approximately 4 million. We're happy to be a part of this milestone in internet history. If any meme deserved to be the new meme NFT record holder, it's Doge. Okay. Fair. Oh, there we go. Data, uh, according to the internet meme database, Know Your Meme, which certified Doge ahead of the auction to ensure that the meme was being sold by its rightful owner. There you go. So oh. it is true that the original, there you go. Um, the meme was first put up for auction on Tuesday by Atsuko Sato, Sato, the owner of Kabusu, Kabosu, the dog from the image. There you go. So the actual owner of that dog mm -hmm. uh, was the beneficiary of the original auction. Yeah. And anyway, now they're going to split it up. This is fractional.art. Man, it's crazy. Smart contracts. Holy. They're like, yeah, no big deal. We're going to split it up. Come get your piece. Are you going to buy like a, yeah. a tiny pixel of this uh, <laughs> it's, Doge art? It's interesting because to take the smallest fraction possible seems kind of reasonable. But what, what if somebody's like, I want 50% of it? Why? Doesn't it seem weird? I don't know. Yeah. This is a tough one for me. I'm not. I'm not sure that that's going to be. So a, you want you want a the wise investment? You want the whole thing? I, I mean, not necessarily. It's just when they make that many fractions, hmm. right? Like how how many how many fractions will there be? Um, like what's the smallest? unit i can buy of it i'm guessing you can just i mean it depends on how big it is right well you if, if like you go back if you go back to that page where you just were where i can put my my bid in uh yeah here see where it says fractions i think you can type it in this vault has low liquidity proceed with caution yeah so can you put 0.1 eth or, or even or less. I mean, obviously you can put point one. Insufficient asset liquidity. Hmm. Hmm. Not even one ETH. What? I don't know. This whole thing is busted. Yeah, that's weird. You oh, Matt? maybe you have to put in what oh, yeah, you I don't have enough. Oh, <laughs> have you don't. ETH. You have zero ETH. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is not true. We all know you're a whale, Willie. Do you? <laughs> but oh, anyway, well. because you're not logged in, because you're not sure, logged in, yeah, that's, that's why you have reason. you have insufficient. Anyway, whatever. I presume you can set it up. Yeah, look what they're saying the total supply of the thing. I don't know, man. What can I say about this? I don't want a fraction. No, I'm good. Okay. I'm not against the NFT thing. Like I think some of that stuff is super cool what's going on. Yeah. But uh maybe we're a little time away from the fraction being 
See, see, what's weird to me is like, why not create a couple dozen unique versions of this, and and yeah. fractionalize it in that way? I don't, I don't know. I guess there's so many ways to do it. Whatever you guys like, whatever, whatever you guys like, man. All right, last one. FTC finally investigating what the hell is going on with McDonald's ice cream machines. After years of jokes and complaints of McDonald's finicky ice cream machines as a subject of an FTC inquiry, it was too many viral videos. Mm -hmm. It was too many talks and chats. Oh, that's the BTS meal that guy's getting, by the way. Yeah. Um, can I just mention something unrelated but McDonald's? Okay. Sure. They launched spicy chicken McNuggets. Did you know that? No. And I think it might be a Canada exclusive launch. We might have to pick you might have to pick that up and do a live test on a show. McDonald's is launching spicy chicken McNuggets across Canada today. I don't I, I today. feel like, I feel like it might that was two days ago. Huh. I feel like it might be an exclusive thing. And then we us Canadians, we kind of owe it to the hmm. community to let them know what's going on with this. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, we have to do the responsible thing. Maybe, but I would assume it would just be like a spicy chicken sandwich in a nugget form. Anyway, uh, ne never mind uh, that. We'll get to that later. Sure. The ice cream machine thing is out of control. It's you know been the subject of all kinds of uh, conspiracy-related things. The, the guy did a great video on it, well beyond our coverage. But um, I guess, what is it? The FTC is involved. The FTC is talking yeah. to McDonald's franchisees about their hopelessly complicated ice cream machines. It's a the Taylor company, uh, you know, apparently engineering them in such a fashion that requires all these crazy service calls and fees and so forth, and franchisees kind of being stuck, only able to have this one ice cream machine, and 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 essentially having to bend for this uh, bizarre uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. And I guess the FTC is in place to back them up. Presumably, these are people looking for a working, whether it's an app for that or otherwise a website that tracks which machines are working. So they're busted so frequently that there's an entire website that helps you find the ones that are working. Wow. And these are some of the error codes that uh, people witness, and it has no bearing on, on anything. It's just random letters and numbers. <laughs> well, maybe is the 45F... Yeah, there we go. 45F in one hour. I think those are real things, but yeah. Nothing was more important to us than delivering on our high standards for food quality and safety, McDonald's told Wall Street Journal, which is why we work with fully vetted partners that can reliably provide safe solutions at scale. Sure, but Let's hope that McDonald's finally finds the right partner that teaches them how to make ice cream. Oh, that's the line from the website AV. This is on avclub.com. Interesting how McDonald's made its way into the... Uh -huh into our show and their show and but i guess it's uh too big of a deal i think and it's just a, one of those mean category things where everybody knows about the broken ice cream machine no matter what a, a segment or uh topic that you're personally interested in you everyone has experienced the broken ice cream machine when they needed it most and i guess the ftc is gonna ensure now that that ice cream machine is working when yes. you need it the most. I don't know. Or let franchisees do something else and not have 
I'd be tied up in these Taylor contracts. Right. The deadly Taylor contracts. Alleged deadly <laughs> Taylor contracts. 